What's going on, Broncos country? This is your host of the Orange Weekly Post Game Podcast, Tanner Lee, back yet again to talk a little Broncos football with you. And unfortunately, we're going to be breaking down the Broncos' loss to the Los Angeles Rams yesterday by a score of 23-20, giving the Broncos their fourth consecutive loss. I'll be joined yet again by my good buddy Jeff Ryan. You can pretty much call him a co-host at this point of the Orange Weekly Postgame Podcast. Uh, Jeff and I were lucky enough to be at the game yesterday, even though we saw a loss. It was a, It's always fun to be out in the, the Mile High City and watch the Broncos play. So we'll be giving our um, perspectives on the game and the environment of the game itself and uh, just everything we liked and didn't like. So, But before we get into breaking down yesterday's game, here's a little music from the Mad Fanatic. I'm now joined by my good buddy, and let's just be honest, I call you this every week, you're pretty much the co-host of the Orange Weekly Post Game Podcast by now, Jeff Ryan, and Jeff, we had the privilege and the honor, not really the honor, but the privilege of being at yesterday's Broncos-Rams game, in which our Broncos were defeated by a score of 23-20, but yet, if there is such thing as a three-point blowout, this game surely felt like it, wouldn't you agree? Oh yeah, I really do agree, and uh excuse the listeners all out there for an occasional uh, squeaky voice today. I was trying to do my part for Broncos country yesterday and <laughs> a little bit of yelling got, got my voice from me. So I'm uh, glad to be back on the podcast with you. And it's, you know, it's a bummer talking about another loss, but uh, nonetheless, here we are. Well, it seems, it sounds like today, at least coming from uh, John Elway, when he was interviewed today by Dave Logan, uh, He's not very happy, um, just like all the members of Bron- Bronco Country aren't very happy today. He pretty much said he's tired of seeing the same mistakes carry over from last year, carry over week to week, and he wants the team to have a mentality going into Thursday night against Arizona of a um, pretty much survival mode. I mean, pretty much yeah. play for your, our, our lives. And there was a yeah. report from Ian Rappaport today that if we do lose to the Cardinals, uh, coaching changes could be made. Wow. Yeah, well, I – I think it's all legitimate and um you know always should be mad the fans should be mad the players should be mad i don't i don't know if some of them are as mad as they should be but um i think they should be but uh yeah it's a uh, four losses in a row is, is never easy for any uh, professional sports team but in the nfl it's it's even more magnified um because you only have so much time to make that up and the way the rest of the division is going in the afc it's uh it's not looking good for our team but um you know, it, it was great being out there and so awesome seeing Broncos football. And let's, let's talk a little bit about being out there right before we get into the game itself. Um, I'm sure you were disappointed, as was I, and I was even a little shocked. Um, a little over 9,000 no-shows yesterday, the most for a Broncos home game since 2010. Uh, what wow. do you think, What do you think besides the weather, the weather was frigid, cold, especially for October, but what, what do you think the cause of that was? Well, I, I do think the weather played a big role. I think if it would have been 
60 degrees and sunny, a lot more fans would have showed up. Um, however, I, I think people are just sick and tired of watching a boring football team. I mean, when you're getting slashed for over 200, 300 yards on the ground in back-to-back weeks, and then um, and then your offense just looks anemic at times. It's I think the fans are just frustrated and they want to see more, and they're definitely not going to shell out money or or their time um, to see all of that in 25 degree weather. So it's frustrating. Yeah, absolutely. And then um, thoughts on some of the post-game comments by the players, particularly Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders when asked about the crowd booing yesterday. Uh, Demarius pretty much said the players don't care what the fans think. Uh, They're not the ones showing up in the building early, practicing every day, yada, yada, yada. And Emmanuel pretty much said – he he said it was that they ha- it's their it's all right to be mad, but yet we shouldn't be booing, especially like Case and this and that. What what, what are your thoughts on on those comments? Yeah, I don't know if I'm in the right or wrong on on my opinion on this, and I don't really care um, because I, I I don't like it at all. Um, I feel like you know these players make millions, millions of dollars to play a game. And yes, it's just a game. You know, the meaning of it in all aspects of life in the world is very little really, but to fans who use it as an entertainment value and, and put so much effort as fans like you and I do, um, we expect a lot more out of the team and, and a lot more, uh, passion for the game and, and passion for winning and, uh, you know, passion for each other, even on the team. And there's just times where you don't see that. And, and I think the fans are upset at that. They're upset at the, the way the game is managed by the coaches or upset at the way the front office is handled, um, play, you know, getting personnel together to this point. And so for them to make those comments just doesn't make any sense to me because, um, you know, to say, well, you know, they don't know how hard we work. Okay. The general fan, yes, we do not work out as hard as you, but you cannot start saying that people don't work as hard as you. That's that is not going to make you a friend of the of the fans. So I don't know. It's you can tell that it's an organization that's in a kind of a downward spiral, especially when comments like that start getting thrown around. And uh, I don't think we have a leader in the locker room right now to shut any of that down. No, I think I, I agree with your comments, and uh, even to uh, – I know your dad pointed this out yesterday, or at least in his opinion, I kind of agree. I think a lot of times they're not just booing like the play on the field. They're trying to send a message to the top, to the management. Yes. Like this is yes. uncalled for, you know. This is a, yeah. a organization that base is, is really proud of on basis of their winning tradition, and we're just sick of yeah. this, you know. We're on our track yeah. for back-to-back losing for the first time since the 70s, and uh, yep. it's just not, not, not acceptable. And also when it comes to the comments of the – especially from like the Marys Thomas – uh, yeah, I, I agree. I, I I personally think a lot of pro athletes don't don't care, quite frankly, what the fans think. Mm-hmm. But you can't come out and say that because that's gonna not gonna make you popular among your own fans at all. And uh, not not right. smart by DT to to make those comments, in my opinion. No, and I mean I'm sure he's frustrated. Um, we all bit, are, though. Like, I mean, exactly. We all are, and, and and the fans. I mean, they're putting fans put millions and millions and billions together of money into watching um, 
the 32 teams in the league. And so for players to act like they don't care about a loss and care about what the fans say, I just I just think it's wrong. I really do. Yeah. Well, uh, now let's get into the game itself. Uh, we've done enough chit-chatter around it. Uh, let's get into it a little bit. Uh, starting with our run defense again. Gave up uh, – 208 yards to Todd Gurley, which I believe is a career high on 28 carries and two touchdowns. Uh, the Rams total ran for 39 times for 270 yards. This is we were now we made some history. Unfortunately, I think we're the first team since the 1978 Buffalo Bills to give up back to back to give up 270 yards rushing back to back weeks, and the first time it's ever happened in our team history. Wow. L.A. Yeah, called them soft today, the run defense. Well, and they are. And, you know, what's really sad to me about that is we've had the same players that were a great run defense, essentially, uh, from three or four years ago. So what the heck happened? That's horrible. That's a million-dollar question, Jeff. And that's that, that's a lot of the pieces on the team, especially defense. A lot of these guys are the same guys that won a Super Bowl three years ago. Yeah. Um, yeah. We're, we're a part of a really good defense two years ago that just didn't get to the playoffs and went nine and seven. Right. Uh, it just, it's head scratching. Um, uh, and, and you know what, one positive today was Sua Cravens um, free agent pickup this past season or this past off season for the Broncos who hasn't played yet. He returned to practice today. So that's a, that's if he stays thing. healthy, he is clear to return against Houston in two weeks. Good. And he could be the run stopper we've been looking for. But by that Good. time, it might be a little too late. <laughs> <laughs> it, it very well might be. But um, if he could instill some life into us, um, and I don't know if he will be for sure in the lineup Thursday, but if he is, um, that's a great, great addition, especially when our secondary right now is kind of hurting. In my problem with the run defense, you look at the stats yesterday. Todd Gurley's longest run was 29 yards, but his yeah. yards, his his average yards per carry were 7.4. You just can't yeah, you can't do that. It's way too many. You can't do that in the NFL, and and it was so clear that 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 was his average. I even thought it could have a chance to be higher because it felt like every time he touched the ball, you know, especially on first downs, he was putting them in second and short every single time. Yep, and we we don't do any of that. It's just incredible. I mean, we did hold Jared Goff in check. He only was fourteen for twenty-eight for two hundred one yards, no mm-hmm. touchdowns, one pick, and we got to him five times. Three of those by rookie Bradley Chubb. I thought he was yeah. one of the big positives of the game. I liked seeing Bradley Chubb get in there, having a hat trick when it came to sacks. Now he has four and a half sacks on the year. That's why we picked him fifth overall. Yeah, yeah, he had a great game. Um, it just felt like he was a more dominating presence. And I think part of the golf stats came from the fact that the Rams game plan was just to go ground and pound. Most of the time I thought they could have aired it out a lot more and even done more damage against us. But I just don't think that McVay drew that up in their schemes, but um, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to totally discredit our secondary. I think that for the majority of the game, our secondary uh, played okay. There is still just a lot of times where Robert Woods especially was wide open, and uh, and I have no explanation for it because I don't know enough about watching film to know what's going on, but I, I'm really concerned still about Roby and Tremaine Brock. And I think uh, a big point to, or something to point out was Cooper Cup getting hurt. I think that mm-hmm. changed a lot of the Rams' strategy in the Broncos' yeah. favor. Yeah, yeah, I agree. But uh, I did think Darian Stewart played – a good game besides that horse collar tackle that took Cooper Cup out of the game for a while. He had an interception at a key moment 
thought he played well. So there in uh and then we'll get to the offense, but I thought Emmanuel Sanders played well. So there were some positives. But yes. uh wow, man, they gotta get the run defense figured out and fast. Because I know. David Johnson's a pretty good running back they're gonna be facing on Thursday night. Well, exactly. And then uh we welcome back Kareem Hunt. Uh so Yep. I mean I mean look at look at that. the teams remaining. Most of them have a good running back. Yeah. So no, on the schedule. I, I know. So. I know. It's I don't know. And and again, is it the fact that they're aging? I don't think so. I think it's the fact that they're being they're either not motivated or a combination of that plus not being set up in the right positions by the coaching staff. I don't know. Yeah, it's hard it's telling. It's hard telling. Um yeah. on the flip side of the ball and offense, we'll start off with Case Keenum. He his stats looked like this. Uh, 25 completions on 41 attempts for 322 yards, two touchdowns, one pick. So that now gives him, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, nine touchdowns to eight interceptions, which is more than he threw all year with Minnesota at a total of seven. He only took two sacks, so that was better of the offensive line, I guess. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, At least, in my opinion, his stats make it seem like he had a better game than he really did. Would you say so? Yes. Yes, he was, like much of this season, really good at times, dropped in a couple nice deep passes to uh, Sanders, one to Sutton, and then uh, one to DT. Um, But then he also missed on a lot of um, a couple kind of out routes to the sidelines. He missed just so badly, and I I just don't understand how an $18 million quarterback is making those kind of throws. I don't get it. Yeah, just at times, yeah, it's – at times he just – it doesn't make sense, his the level no. of inconsistency. At times he looks great. Like you said, those two, three – two or those three deep balls, uh, completions of I think 41, 43, and 45 yards. Um, yeah. And then other times he just doesn't look good at all. It, it just right. – I, I don't know what's going on. And uh, one of my dad's really good friends uh, texted him and said, you know, Case Keenum to me is a uh, – Really good backup quarterback. Yeah. Yeah, he, he is. He is. He had a really good year last year built on um, the fact that Minnesota had a great overall team. I mean, they had they had good wide receivers. They had great coaching and a phenomenal defense um, that uh, allowed him to play more conservatively. But I don't know. It's, it's clearly uh, a good thing that we only got him signed up for two years because I just don't see this being a long-term option. One interesting thing was uh, we did something yesterday we never did in the Peyton Manning era, and I don't think the Broncos had done it since 2007, and only a handful of times since like 1991. That was they completed three passes of 40 yards or over in the same game. Wow. And, and I believe that stat, it, it didn't say this, but I, be, I, I have to believe that means the ball went at least 40 yards in the air because Peyton had some passes. Sometimes he threw like five or 10 yards and then right. the guy broke right. off a bunch of yards. So I'm guessing the ball right. had to travel at least 40 yards in the air, but that was kind of eye raising. I am really surprised to hear that. I, I would have never guessed that, but it also says so much um, about our team right now. But the fact that you said that we haven't even done that much since the early nineties is hard to believe. That's crazy. Yes. And, and I know. And then you look at the stats of the wide receivers yesterday, Emmanuel Sanders led the way with seven catches, 115 yards, one touchdown. Uh, Cortland Sutton had three catches for 58 yards. Demaryius Thomas, three catches for 57 yards and touchdown. Phil Lindsay had six catches for 48 yards. 
And then Jeff Hireman, three catches for 23 yards. Devontae Booker, two catches for 14. And Matt Lacoste, one catch for seven yards. Brian Parker was also targeted, but didn't catch a ball. Um, I Can I interrupt you really absolutely. quick and ask you a question? Yep. I, I, we talked about this during the game. Both of us just kind of baffled by this, but I want to get your opinion now that it's a day later and see if you have any new thoughts. What on earth is the reason for Devontae Booker getting as many touches at times yesterday as he did? Do you have any idea? No, he even got two carries for 15 yards, which, I mean, for two carries, that's good yardage. But I don't know right. what he brings to the table. The coaching staff must think something of him because he continues to get in there every week. Um, I just yeah. don't see much. I haven't seen much out of him in a long time. Um, yeah. I I just yeah I don't really get it. I wish there was some ex- explanation to it. It just feels like a wasted piece at times. It feels like uh, like our playmakers are are Lindsey and Freeman, and then we'll all of a sudden go to Booker for three plays in a row that but we're not even using him. And I'm sure the other team isn't confused by that. I'm sure they're not looking at him as a real threat. So I, to me, that's like what is the point of that? I I just I don't get it. And then uh, running-wise, the stats looked like this. Royce Freeman had nine carries for only 22 yards. Phil Lindsay four carries for 18. Devontae Booker, two for 15. Case, one <laughs> for six. And then Chad Jeez. Kelly, Chad Kelly, it says, has an attempt for a one-yard loss, but that was a kneel down. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So all in all, only 17 carries for 60 yards. And get this stuff, Jeff. I let, read this this morning on uh, uh, Benjamin Albright said this. He's a okay. NFL analyst. Uh, the last two weeks, the Broncos' pass run ratio. Take a guess. Last two weeks. Oh, geez. Um, I would say three to one. Well, uh, he he did it on a bigger scale. Um, yeah. Ninety-two passes to thirty-two runs in the last two weeks, and yeah, the Broncos are number one bad. team in the league of <laughs> rushing per carry. Oh, and uh, that okay. That says it all. And if that we if we go all. if we go back three weeks, Jeff, it's 125 passes to 54 runs. So wow. the Broncos are passing the ball 70 percent of the time with a quarterback wow. who ranks 27th right now in passer rating. <laughs> it, says, it says it all. And, and guess who's responsible for that? Musgrave and Joseph. So yep. It, it says it all to me. It's I, not, I, that I read that. And, that's yeah, crazy. Yeah. It it concluded everything right there. That makes me really mad. Um, <laughs> yeah. That. Yeah. I, I thought it was funny uh, this morning. I got a copy of the Denver Post, like I always do when I'm leaving uh, yep. Denver. And um, Mark Kisla is the really the lead writer anymore for the Denver Post. And he pretty much said that Vance Joseph is a man good for hugging, but not for leading men. And yes. um, he, he posted the end of the article something like, um, if your uh, Boy Scout troop is looking for a guy to uh, lead a group on a hike, and, uh, and and all this other stuff, and uh, give out orange slices and a hug, then Vince Joseph's your guy. And if we're lucky enough, he might be available before Halloween. I was like, ooh, that's uh, that's pretty harsh, but yet pretty funny. That's that's pretty harsh, but I, I enjoy it. I, again, he's making a lot of money to do a job that a lot of people expect a lot out of him. And uh, when you don't do that job well enough, people are going to be calling for you. So I don't feel that bad. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders, going back to him, I meant to hit on this. Uh, one big moment in the game was when he caught the 41 or 43-yarder, I forget, between him and Sutton, which one caught which. Um, he was initially 
ruled a touchdown, then called down at the one-yard line. But after the touchdown, he got up, did some type of taunting towards one of the Rams defenders, got in his face, 15-yard penalty. So it took us back from the one-yard line to the 16, and ultimately we had to settle for a field goal, which he blamed himself big time on that, which, yeah, he probably should have had more composure. But come on, NFL, the no-fun league. Let him have some fun. Uh, thought, thoughts on that, that penalty and how that helped shape the rest of the game? Uh, yeah, well, and it's hard to know how it how the game would have turned out differently, but it was a huge, huge part of the game um, for us to, to potentially be at the one-yard line and pound it in for a 7-6 to six lead um, with the extra point, of course. But it, like you said, it's the, the no-fun league is becoming more and more no-fun. And um, I, it's just, you know, I get it. The rules are the rules, and so within those rules, you have to obey it and you have to be smarter. However, I just I wish they would get rid of this kind of stuff because it, it's making it no fun. He, he didn't. I don't even think he said anything. I really don't. He had his mouthpiece in when he was going up to the defender, pointing at him, and the defender didn't even look that bothered by it. I think a lot of this kind of stuff happens every single game, multiple times a game. Sometimes it gets caught, sometimes it doesn't, and um, it's just it just makes it like you said, no fun. Yep, it's very frustrating. And uh, speaking of penalties, uh, yet again yesterday we saw a couple instances where the Broncos were getting in scoring range or got a big first down, yet to be neglected by a big penalty. Um, yeah. That's just uh, that's a trend that's happened the last two years, if not three years, and it's not getting any better. Yeah, and I think discipline, again, all comes <clears throat> excuse me, all comes down from uh, the coaching staff, and this team is very indisciplined, and it's hurting us in multiple, multiple games and multiple facets of each game. And, um, yeah, it's – frustration is the only thing I can think of. It's hard to even say anything else about it. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, they better get things tuned it, tuned up and ready to go uh, Thursday night. Cause if a bad showing there, I find it hard to believe that, um, changes won't be made, particularly with, mm-hmm. uh, it being a little extended week going into Kansas city the next week. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree. And, um, another big point I wanted to make about the game yesterday was just that, um, you and I both looked at each other and, and you said um, when we kicked the field goal to make it 2013, you said, oh, the game's over because, um, you know, we, we don't try to be that negative in game, but we both realistically knew the game was over if we didn't score a touchdown there to make it 2017. Because when a guy is averaging over seven yards a carry and all they're going to do is run and then it opens it up for a couple passes to, you know, Woods and, and uh, Cooks, the game was over, and it and it was. I mean, it was out of hand um, on that next drive. And I just, again, you know, you're at the six yard line with multiple chances to punch it in. Keenum didn't do crap, and uh, the offensive play calling was baffling to me. Again, it was very low percentage plays um, that they called in that scenario, and I think that single handedly right there ended the game. Yep, yep. And uh, and another thing we both kind of agreed on when we were there is. You can just tell, at least being there live and looking at the Rams and how they're built and structured and the Broncos right now, the Broncos are nowhere close to competing for a championship, let alone um, making the playoffs. Oh, no. No, no, it's very obvious, and it's and it's it's sad to me. But I, I think, you know, I thought about this more, and, and I think the last three years we've kept talking about how much talent we have. And really, I, I think it's coming more and more clear that Every NFL team has talent. Look at the Cardinals. They're, they're regarded as one of the worst teams in the league, yet they have one of the best running backs in the league. You know, we have 
one of the best defensive players in the league. We have some nice offensive pieces, a couple nice defensive players, and and some, you know special teams as well. But when you look at it, every team has that, and and inconsistency is exactly what makes you bad in the NFL. And unfortunately, we're an inconsistent, bad football team. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought that up because a lot of times I'm I'm really uh, bad at this myself. I I put my orange goggles on and try to yeah. talk myself into a lot of things. I mean, I, I still will go back to you. the night. I woke up in the middle of the night for some reason that night, uh, and my phone was flashing, and I found out that Case Keenum was going to sign with the Broncos the next day because it was started free mm-hmm. agency. And I remember tweeting out a gif of Michael Scott in the office, shaking his head and said, nope, don't like that. But then <laughs> over the months, I kind of got those orange goggles on. I liked what he was saying in the press conference. I'm like, you know what? I think this is going to work. This could be pretty good. Well, now I'm back to that feeling of when I sent that tweet out in March. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I, I don't like this. I don't like anything about this so far uh, in the season that we're 2-4, and four, and it could uh, get a lot worse uh, really quick. It could get totally out of hand, and it's so true. I I think every team has this where, um, you know, it's so easy to get excited about your team in the off season and, and everyone is so good at talking about how good they're going to be, you know, and, and I'm saying specifically within NFL organizations, there's a lot of talking that goes on to get you excited. And really when it comes down to it, all 32 teams have that mentality that they're going to go to the playoffs next year. You know, they really do. You want to believe that. And uh, quickly the bad teams separate themselves from the good teams and the good teams find a way to stay consistent and, um, and win football games. And you just don't, you don't get to see it until the season starts, and we're seeing it already by week seven. So it's a bummer. Yeah, it really is. And uh, speaking of a bummer, one last thing I want to mention, I'm sure you were probably aware of it, but uh, Ronald Leary did indeed tear his Achilles, so he yeah, is out for bad. the year. So uh, he's out for the year. I don't know about Jared Valdir's status going into Thursday. If he can't play, that's uh, two starting linemen that can't play. Yeah, yeah, it's – it's not uh, definitely not going to help, and I also saw that Shane Ray looks like likely out with a high ankle sprain. Okay. So, um, yeah, injuries hurting us, penalties hurting us, bad coaching hurting us. Yep, everything. <laughs> it's, just not very good. it's just a combination of everything, and it kind of snowballs. Yep. And uh, yep. you know, we went through an eight-game losing streak last year, and we're already halfway there this year. And man, I hope I we can get off that train this Thursday because uh, this is getting harder and harder to watch and talk about every week. I know, I know. I hope so too. And one more. Quick point I want to make about this coaching staff because it seems like we hit on them every week. <laughs> um, you know, I was thinking about this this morning in the fact that Gary Kubiak had this team with Trevor Simeon, who I truly believe physically is not as talented as a quarterback as Case Keenum is. Now, I'm not saying Case Keenum is very good, but I would pick Case Keenum over Trevor I'd Simeon agree with, still, I'd agree with still that. today. He took that team led by Trevor Simeon and I think a worst offense in terms of explosive playmakers to a seven and three record at the start of the season. Um, we lose to Kansas city, the season snowballs, Gary Kubiak's health, you know, goes, uh, goes basically out the window, you know, and he decides that he can't do football anymore. And so the season pretty much since then ended and everything since then has gone out, you know, out the window. Um, I really think that when you think about the coaching staff, here, Gary Kubiak proved that you could take a mediocre team and make them competitive. And Vance Joseph has proven that he cannot take a mediocre team and make them competitive. And it's just, it's just not going to keep him around for long. Yeah, I, you hit the nail on the head there, my friend. And you know, we were kind of talking yesterday, like 
we're just kind of looking back, like, where did this all go wrong? And uh, we, yeah. we both think it's kind of, you know, when they hired Kubiak, they didn't think he was only going to be around for two years. They got they thought no. he was going to be around for a lot longer. And yeah. just his health issues kind of, you know, hurt this franchise and may, put them in the position to ultimately hire Vance Joseph. And uh just doesn't look like it was the right fit. And it looks like sooner that rather than later, they're going to be in a situation where they're going to have to do it all over again. And I really hope John finds the right fit. Or if not, we might be looking for, uh, at another uh, new uh, general manager. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the whole organization right now from top to bottom is is just in a state that we haven't ever seen in our lifetimes. And even, you know, older Bronco fans haven't seen since before Elway. Um, the ownership is in question. The GM position might be in question because of, you know, limited success outside of the Peyton Manning era. Uh, the coaching staff is for sure in question. Players are going to be um, – you know, on the chopping block, the whole organization right now. And, you know, teams go through this. I get it, but uh, we're too proud of a, too proud of a organization to go through this for too much longer. So hope we get out of this somehow. Yeah. Everybody needs to look themselves in the mirror going forward. Um, because yes. looking at the future of the division, I mean, the chargers, nobody really knows what's going to happen with them. I mean, Phil Rivers is getting older. Oakland mm-hmm. struggling this year, especially, you know, a uh, high moneymaker, John Gruden, but they're going to be moving to Vegas. Uh, mm-hmm. Got to think they're not going to be terrible forever. But you look at Kansas City, the pieces they have, the young Showtime, I say that with, uh, you know, air quotes, uh, Patrick <laughs> Mahomes yeah. looking like the real deal. Looks like they're going to be a force for the next decade at least. The Broncos yep. have to figure this out going forward or it's going to be a long next few years for Broncos country, and we don't want that. I know. I know. And uh, one more note on people holding themselves accountable. I, I do say, you know, I, I put all of this losing and, and you know, frustration on, on the Broncos organization. But I, I do hope that Broncos country themselves also holds themselves accountable and, and still shows up for the team and still supports this team the way they always have. Because Sunday, there's no question, was disappointing. I mean, the vibe was just dead. And I, I do think the weather had a lot to do with it, but it's week six. You know, you're one game under 500, and it looked like it felt like we were two and 13 going into week 17. So, I hope that uh, we ourselves keep keep showing up and uh, supporting the Broncos. Yeah, I mean, it was only my sixth trip out to for a home game at Mile High, but it was definitely the worst uh, game day environment I had encountered, which was uh, really yeah. disappointing. But uh, yeah, but like always, man, uh, let's go Broncos, and let's uh, let's get off this uh, losing train Thursday and uh, start turning it around. Yeah, let's have a little more uh, fun conversation um, later in the week here. And thanks so much for having me on again. And go Broncos. And I really appreciate Jeff taking the time to join me on the podcast as he actually is on his way back to Indiana from Denver. And he was in a layover in Chicago. So if there was anything a little funky with that audio besides his voice, like he was saying, which he lost during the game, that would be the reason why, but I just appreciate him yet again taking the time and uh, talking about the game with me and giving his analysis. So I think that's going to wrap it up for this week's edition of the Orange Weekly Post Game Podcast. Like always, I'm your host, Tanner Lee, and you can follow me on Twitter at the underscore T underscore Lee. 
Like the Orange Weekly Facebook page. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Orange Weekly. Check out all of our great shows and podcasts during the week, which always usually, or I should say, usually starts on Mondays with Jason doing the Orange Weekly After Dark Facebook Live show. Then on Tuesdays, we have our Beer, Broncos, and No BS show, which uh, Kev Dan is usually joined by either David or Ray or some other member of the Orange Weekly staff. That's our fan interactive show. We answer you guys, your guys' questions. We talk to you guys, whatever you guys want to talk about. That's what we talk about. That show starts at 7 o'clock Mountain Time, 8 o'clock Central, 9 o'clock Eastern on Tuesdays. And on Wednesdays, myself and Kev Dan, uh, we do the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly show on Get Vocal as well as on Facebook. And it's at the same time as the uh, BB&B show, 7 o'clock Mountain Time, 8 o'clock Central, 9 o'clock Eastern. But we don't answer Facebook questions on that one. We only answer people who get on, get vocal, come on the show with us, and we answer the questions. It's kind of like a radio call-in show, but yet we can see you, you can see us. So um, we really want you to get interactive with that. And as always, later this week, probably coming out a little bit earlier this week because of the Thursday night game. Look for Jared and Matt's pregame podcast. They do a fantastic job every week of breaking down the X's and O's and letting you know what to look for going into the weekend game. And then during this Thursday night's game, check out the halftime hash that usually either Kev Dan or Ray host. Uh, They usually take questions, uh, tell you kind of what they liked, what they didn't like from the first half of the game. And besides that, just Follow follow us on Facebook, and we're always breaking. The, if there's any breaking news, you'll find it on the Orange Weekly Facebook page and a bunch of great Denver Broncos coverage. So with that, we'll leave you with a little bit of music from the Mad Fanatic. Orange, man. I'm right.